Hey, Taiki, are you the person who tosses and turns many nights and can't sleep? Or the person that wakes up at three in the morning, ready to go, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and you wish you could sleep more because you know you'll be dragging throughout the day, drinking more coffee than you want to. You know that during perimenopause, menopause, and even after menopause, our sleep is affected by our hormones. But there's many things we can do that are sometimes overlooked that help us sleep better. Today, we're discussing the critical steps to take to get more sleep and better quality sleep for your health and how the lack of sleep affects us in all facets of our life and why it is critical to take responsibility in our sleep, sleep habits, and how we sleep better. But before we dive in, I want to let you know that the four-week Lean Out program opens in just a few weeks from when this episode airs. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to check it out as we're combining intermittent fasting and Pilates and other strength training exercises specifically designed for the woman to help you get lean, strong, and lead a healthy lifestyle. With that, let's talk about sleep. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength to lead a vibrant life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of women over 50 around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and sustainable so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring women who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Welcome to our guest today. And our guest for today is Stella Luasho. She is a certified health coach, speaker, and author, helping busy adults avoid the onset of type 2 diabetes without giving up the foods they love. She's the best-selling author of Sleep It Off, a revolutionary guide to losing weight, beating diabetes, and feeling your best through optimal rest. Welcome to the show, Stella. Thank you so much, Heike. Thanks for having me here. Guys, if you when you see the video, you know I got two thumbs up for the pronunciation of Stella's last name because I was freaking out. It's a French name and I'm like, oh my God, how do I pronounce this name? And she's like, I got you. It's Lua Chant. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> now, Stella, you lived in Europe for 30 years and three of those years you were in Germany. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you see is the biggest difference in lifestyle between the European lifestyle and the American lifestyle? 
Hmm. <laughs> That's the 100 million question, right? <laughs> so I think to, to me that the biggest difference is the idea that in Europe, business is not a virtue and it is here. Um, like coming from, from France, having lived in Germany, I feel like if I'm too busy there, it's because I'm not very well organized. I am not, you know, but here, if I'm not busy, it's like, well, what are you doing with your life? Like it, it's, it's a virtue to be busy here, to always be active, to always be on the go. And that's a huge difference, I think, between the two cultures. What do you think? Do you think it's, have you noticed that? Well, I'm going from a different perspective because we're talking about sleep today and Having you as a sleep expert here, I think the biggest difference is that people in the U.S. don't take naps. They don't take like Sunday, close the stores on Sunday and have family time. Or at two o'clock from 12 to two in Germany, all the stores are closed and everybody is doing a siesta or lunch and nap time in Italy. And, and here it's, it's almost a sin that we were, oh my God, you take a nap. Mm -hmm. Oh, can you take a nap? How can you sleep at night? Oh, it's such, such a waste of time. And I'm like, no, I take my half an hour. I did it today too. I took a half an hour nap and I was like, I'm ready for Stella. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, those two come together because when you're napping, right, you're not like officially or, or obviously active, even though a lot is happening in our body and our brain, but it's some kind of a, rest time and break time and you're not being busy so you must be missing on something <laughs> right you know your story for me at least started uh when you talked about that the the lack of sleep almost destroyed your health will you share with our listeners what happened sure yeah um so just to give you a little bit of background i am a very very light sleeper like it the the slightest thing is going to disrupt my sleep. I'm not a good I'm not good at sleeping. I'm not a you know it's it doesn't come easy to me, and I there's so many things that I love in life way more than sleeping, that you know the two combined together like I'm not really good at it and I don't enjoy it. So what do you do when you're not good at something you don't enjoy? You just don't do it anymore, right? And this is pretty much what I did with my sleep. I would just try for years and years to keep it to the bare minimum to be able to function. And, and I would add activities, you know, and, and do a lot of things. And I loved it. Sleeping was just getting in my way of getting things done. Ooh. And the thing is, I, um, I used to struggle with my weight. I have an ability to gain a huge lot of weight very quickly. And it took me years to find a way to manage my weight and, you know, stay fit and healthy. And um, there was a time in my life, like about eight years ago, when my weight was starting to creeping, to, to creeping back up. And I didn't quite understand why. You know, I was working full time. I had three children to take care of. I was going back to school uh, to study nutrition and I was training like 13 hours every week for triathlons. And we have that in common. 
Oh, and, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what's going on? You know, um, I do all those things. There's no way I can eat less than what I'm doing right now. There's no way I can work out more. I'm still gaining weight and it was not muscle. I could tell it was not muscle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's something wrong here. There's something I am doing wrong. But I didn't really know what it was because I loved my life. I was super busy. <laughs> That's, you know, maybe the American way. I loved it. And then I went to see a doctor and she said, you know what? Stop working out for a, a while. Just stop. And I stopped and I completely collapsed. Like I had no more energy, couldn't function anymore, couldn't open my garage door, like no more strength. It's just like, I was actually for many, many years, just holding, like making it through the day because of stress, adrenaline, like workout nonstop. But I was running into the wall. And then it took me six months to recover, to just start to get my head above the water and not sleep like 13, 14 hours every night. I had so much catch up to do. It was, it was a tough one. <laughs> you oftentimes hear people like, oh, I only need four hours of sleep. I'm overproductive. I'm like crashing it, crushing it. I don't need more sleep. Is that you? So it's that you? It kind of was me. Yeah, it was me. And I have to say there is a very tiny portion of the population who, for whom it is true. Like it's something like 3% of people can do with less than six hours of sleep. But, you know, most of us, it's not us. It's just like we think it is and we want it to be true, but it's not. So we, we drink coffee, we work out like crazy trying to, to get, you know, the, the stress up, to keep it up. Uh, some people just, yeah, kind of stop eating just to be in that phase of, you know, you don't need anything anymore. Like you're, it, it's just a weird, very weird way that we have to find all kinds of ways to not sleep when actually sleeping <laughs> would be so much easier, right? I don't understand people who don't want to sleep. And we'll talk more about sleep as we go along in the interview today. I'm like, nap time. Yeah, this is a total winner for me. And depends on, I'm post-menopause, but sleep is also, it comes in cycles, but sleep is great. My husband always says the best thing he does is sleep. He says, you know, I love to sleep. <laughs> yeah. How did, you, how did you dig yourself out of this not sleeping and suddenly you stopped exercising? And, and you were bone tired. What happened there? Then so, yeah, so at first I had to just sleep a huge lot. So I was very, not very interesting for a while because all I could do and think of was just go to bed and sleep. <laughs> but then what I did is, okay, I, at that time I was sleeping five hours every night and I, I knew I needed more than that, but I really took it step by step it took me three years to go from five hours to eight hours because can you imagine like when you're you're busy you're you you work you have kids family all those things that you love doing if you remove three hours out of your day it's like you don't have a life anymore you feel like oh my gosh i i'm not doing anything i'm just sleeping you know <laughs> so what i did is i would just add you know 15 minutes 
one, you know, 15 minutes and then 15 minutes. It took me three years and um, three years to get my eight hours. I know I can do with a little bit more. I need eight and a half. So I'm still working on it. But to be able to go above the eight hours, I had to have a mindset shift. Um, and that took me a few extra years. And it's only been a year that I'm like, really now sleep is unconditional. I'm not even, I don't have to motivate myself to go to bed anymore. It's just like, I'm doing it. It's natural. It's me. I love it. I don't like sleeping, but I love going to bed now, which is a huge uh, shift for me. Describe what is good sleep. Mm -hmm. So, well, good sleep actually is sleep that allows you to feel refreshed every morning when you wake up and to have the energy that you need to do what it is that you want to do. So it has two, two aspects, I would say. It's good quality sleep and it's long enough sleep. So we need to work on the duration of the sleep to make sure we get, you know, the recommendation is between seven and nine hours for an adult and seven to eight for older adults. Mm -hmm. And so that's the duration. And then the quality, because if you sleep, you know, nine hours, but it's interrupted nonstop because of night sweats or, <laughs> you know, uh, you need to go to the bathroom or the dog is barking or then you end up not having deep sleep. You, you need enough deep sleep, which is um, the, the restorative part of our sleep. Mm -hmm. So you, you touched on menopause. So let's talk a little bit about, because our audience is perimenopause, menopause, and including me and others that are postmenopausal. And I still have nights or many nights where my clock usually goes off at three in the morning in my body and says, I'm wide awake. And now I'm sitting there for the next two hours, hoping to go to sleep. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So what happens as, as we're going through those phases in our life with our body and and what is it that we can do about it to get better sleep? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there, there is a lot happening around perimenopause and menopause, right? And so the, the number one symptom, I think, and night interrupter is really the hot flashes and the night sweat. This is something, this is happening during the day, during the night. And the thing is, when you have that, you know, that rush of, blood to your face and to your chest and you you get so the heat wakes you up mm -hmm. but the thing is it, it's not just blood right it's also like a rush of adrenaline and cortisol so your stress also kind of picks up and that's why you're not just awake you also just can't go back to sleep because there's so many you know there's so many things racing in your mind you're in a state of stress and alertness that keeps you from going back to sleep. Um, and this is something that so many women uh, go through. It's just like, and I'm, I'm right in there right now. <laughs> so so um, the thing is very often, like if you are in a deep sleep and there's nothing else that bothers you, you might go through the night sweat without waking up. 
And, you know, wake up in the morning and be soaked, but it went well, you still slept pretty well. But if on top of it, for instance, you are still digesting your dinner and producing extra heat, that's it. You're going to be awake. And then with the cortisol and all, you won't be able to go back to sleep. Or if you are just dressed a little bit too much for sleep, or if your bedroom is a little bit too hot, this is going to kind of, um, this, is, this has a compounding effect, right? So you might have been able to go through the night sweat easily, but because there is an additional source of heat, then it's going to wake you up and you'll, you'll have to be there and, you know, be awake for sometimes two hours, three hours. So that the very first thing usually that I, I recommend is first, make sure you sleep in a very cool room you know, like no more than 65 degrees, 18 Celsius. Mm -hmm. And um, make sure that, you know, you can dress in layers. You can make sure that you can very easily remove what you have to remove to, to cool down and make sure that your dinner is processed before you start, you start your night. So super light dinner, soup, salad, no meat, no alcohol, no spicy food. And when I say alcohol, half a glass of wine for me is enough. I know I'm going to wake up at night. Like it depends. It's very personal. Mm -hmm. But keeping things super light um, at dinner or um, I know you're, uh, you, you love intermittent fasting, right? But you can also really have your dinner early enough that when you go to bed, if you are too hungry, yeah, a piece of fruit, maybe a tiny little something, but your meal has to be processed before you start your night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the American culture is that we're eating relatively late in the, in the evening and then people are staying up. But I think the meals are also way too large for many or too heavy in its consistency. Like you said, okay, no meat, no alcohol, which is in a lot of people's plates mm -hmm. before they go to sleep and especially during covid we're all drinking more than we should and it's like oh we need to do stress and but why meat Stop. yeah yeah meat because you know those are those are the things so the, the the alcohol thing um it's you know it helps us relax right so it helps us fall asleep but from there on it's it all goes down the drain pretty much because alcohol has a dehydrating effect so you will be thirsty, so that might make you uncomfortable and wake up. You will probably um, get up to go to the bathroom because it's dehydrating, it's diuretic, right? So you will wake up to, to go to the bathroom. And it also affects um, the depth of our sleep. It keeps us from going into those deep sleep stages. So the lighter our sleep, the easier it is to be um, awakened, awoken, mm -hmm. to have something wake you up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. And there is also like after the relaxing effect of alcohol, there is kind of a, what they call a rebound of awareness. It's like an extra, you know, like you're extra aware, extra awake. So if all those, you know, compiled together they're going to wake you up and interrupt your night so even if you get the length 
you are not going to get the quality. So you won't wake up refreshed and restored and, and ready for your day. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about so how do, when do we get to a deep sleep? How long does it normally take? And, and how, because I've seen some of those graphs where the, you're an REM and then you're not. And some people constantly stay at the top of their sleep and never reach deep sleep. How does it work as an, or give an example maybe of somebody or how would that, so we understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we go through four stages, right? Every about like an hour and a half, it really depends on people how long it all lasts. But first we're awake and we start drifting into sleep. That's stage one, super light sleep. Then stage two, we start, you know, going into a slightly deeper sleep. And that is all associated with the, the length of the waves, the electric waves in our brain. So as they go slower, we go into deeper sleep. And so after stage two, we go into stage three, that's really deep sleep. And that's the most restorative sleep. Um, that's when our brain is doing all the cleanup, you know, cleaning up between uh, neurons. The neurons shrink so that the lymphatic system can clean up in between all the toxins and stuff. And that's why when we don't sleep enough and have enough deep sleep, it can, it can put us at risk for dementia and Alzheimer's disease because the toxins accumulate in the brain because there's the cleanup is not happening. And then after that deep sleep, you have the REM uh, stage, which is usually when we dream. And it's, this is also a very important one when we, you know, we process emotions and it is linked to memory. And so it's also a very important one. So deep sleep and REM sleep are the two phases that are the, the most important. And it's about like 40% of our night. It should be about 40% of our night, like about, we should spend about four hours in those two um, stages combined. And one thing that happens is that the, as we go through the night, we have less and less deep sleep. So it's the first hours of the night that are the most restorative. So I don't know if you're, my grandma used to tell me, the hours before midnight count double. And I was like, yeah, 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 right, sure. Well, but actually, it's kind of true because it's the first part of the night that is the most restorative because that's when we get the most uh, deep sleep. So, Grandma, yes, you were right. <laughs> oh, my God. My grandma never told me anything like this. She's just like, finish your plate. You're a good girl. Had <laughs> a whole different philosophy of this. And that probably explains why I used to be a partier when I was younger. I'm like, ah, when you sleep, we got a party. <laughs> yeah but this is really something interesting that like the, this first part those first hours of the night are, are so critical and we have a tendency to push back like oh I, I can still do this and I can still get that done and this and that and we go to bed later and then we are not in sync with what our body would normally need so we are kind of missing out on those first hours of sleep because if your body is ready for sleep, but you're not asleep, you're not going to get the benefits. You know, it's like you cannot, if you shift everything and go to bed at 1 a.m., 
you're not, it's not like, oh, it's okay. I will just start my deep sleep now. No, because you're not in phase and in sync with your natural rhythm. So -hmm. that's why it's very important to try and not necessarily adjust to the night owls in the house. For instance, if we are tired, we should try and get to bed as close to that time as possible. I know a couple of people who need to listen to this episode because they keep telling me that, oh, I don't go to bed till one. And I'm like, what are you doing up till one in the morning? They're like, oh, I'm reading a book. I'm watching a show. I'm really not that tired until one in the morning, but then they sleep till 10 at 11 the next day. And I'm like, you're missing most of the day. And I think that's a good message to hear that it's okay to go to bed earlier and, and it's it's okay to say at nine o'clock, it's my bedtime. I mean, what, what would be a good time to say, okay, wind down for women our ages and our, around our 50s and older? What is a good like time to aim for? Say, okay, get go to bed at eight or nine or whatever. Because sometimes I'll be honest, I'm thinking it's only nine o'clock and I'm so tired. I feel like a really old lady. <laughs> Should I? I'm like, no, maybe I can watch one more show just to stay awake for another half hour. What is your take on that? <laughs> so the, the best time to go to bed is when we are tired, because then we are in phase with our circadian rhythm, right? So there are a few people who are night owls, and they've always gone to bed late. And it's fine. They're, that's what their cycle is. So they will still get the benefit of their sleep, right? But the, what we most of us do is we push it. We push it first because we have teenagers in the house, and then you know maybe our spouse is a night owl, or and we push it. So one thing that's really good to do is like try to remember when you used to go to bed earlier. What time was that? Did you used to go to bed, you know, at at nine, at ten? then that's probably what you need to try and aim for. Because I've, I've worked with clients and they tell me, oh no, I can't fall asleep until like 3 a.m. And I'm like, okay, that's how it is now. And it's been like this since you have your new job or whatever. When, what, how was it before? You know, when did you go to bed earlier than that? And they're like, oh yeah, when I just got married, you know, um, I used to go to bed way earlier and, and I'm like, yeah, so that might be your real circadian rhythm, your real time. So try to aim for that. And again, just like, you know, it took me three years to, to bring my <laughs> bedtime to an earlier time of the day and take your time, go 15 minutes at a time. You know, you, you have, it's not like you are in a rush and you need to change your, your, your ways within two months take your time make sure you keep like you you have the feeling that you have a life and that you're still enjoying life do you uh, encourage the people log how they sleep and when they go to bed and and what they eat and things like that like a full-on blog within your practice so yeah well every every person i start working with we do a very thorough um, lifestyle inventory where we look at everything, you know, when they sleep, what they eat, when they move, how stressed they are, what, how they feel. So, and it's, it's a little bit of a, a pain in the neck for seven days. <laughs> like they do that really, really intensively 
And from there, we look at, okay, this is what's happening. What do you think we can change? What is going to be too hard to start with? And we can keep it for later. And we really want to make sure that every um, change we make is going to have an impact. Because who wants to waste their time? You know, if your sleep is perfect, why would you uh, change anything? <laughs> so we make sure that we, we pinpoint what needs to be changed. Could it happen that we just don't know that we don't sleep well? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, think that, um, you know, I'm perfectly functioning, but when you dig deep down, then you're not actually sleeping well and you're not practic practicing good sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. What could be some of those examples be that somebody says, yo, I'm fully functioning. I'm, I'm, I'm getting good sleep. Let's put it that way. Don't even know that they don't get good sleep. What are some of the signs? Yeah. So some of the signs are you've been, you know, you've been struggling to lose weight and you're eating well, working out, and you're still not losing weight at all. That's a sign. Or you keep being injured when you work out. That's also a sign because when we sleep, that's when we repair, right? Uh, all our tissues and tendons and all that. Um, you have a specific uh, training goal and you cannot reach it despite increased amount of training. That's also a sign. I mean, you know, that, um, that first part of the night we were talking about, this, in, this is when we have a huge um, influx of growth hormones. And if we miss out on that, then, you know, how do you, how do you build muscle if you don't have enough growth hormones, which are the, you know, this is what we need to build muscle. This is what rogue athletes dope on, mm -hmm. growth hormones. And we produce them at night. When we sleep, especially okay, that time soon, Stella, I got to <laughs> build some muscles. <laughs> right. But it's true. You know, it's really like not. I, I hear a lot of people, you know, they, they know it's healthy to work out and to exercise and they're right. But then they don't have much time in their day. And what they cut short first is sleep. So they wake up super early to be there on the treadmill. And actually, it's like a little bit. It's like. um working over time and you be you're paid in cash and you have a big hole in your pockets yeah. and so you're, you're doing all that you're putting all that effort and it's wasted because if you're not sleeping well you cannot build muscle and and get your fitness um higher yeah and you touched on a good um topic which i've talked about as well uh but how sleep affects belly fat and the weight gain and during per peri and menopause. Talk a little bit about this in relationship to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> there, there's, there are many things happening, but two of them I think are really critical. First, um, it's during the night that our appetite hormones get balanced. Um, so when we don't sleep enough, we end up with very high level of ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells us we are hungry. So if we don't sleep enough, that hormone ghrelin is really high. And then when we sleep also is the longer we sleep, the, the more leptin we have in our body. And leptin is the hormone 
that tells us we are full after we've eaten a meal, right? So if we don't sleep enough, the levels of leptin are going to be really low. So when you are sleep deprived, you have high level of ghrelin, so you're hungry all the time, and you have low levels of leptin, so even when you eat, you're still hungry. So you can, you can diet all you want. You can work out all you want. You, if you're hungry all the time and never feel full, chances are there will be weight gain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to happen for sure. And the other thing that happens also is that um, when we sleep, our cortisol, the stress hormone goes down, right? So if we don't sleep enough, we end up with kind of a situation of uh, chronic stress, mm-hmm. very high cortisol. And that leads also to accumulating um, fat, body fat, uh, like to our insulin being less efficient. So we are not processing carbs as well. We, so it, it really affects our metabolism. And this is one of the things that that's one of the signs. Yeah. When you're not sleeping enough, you, you can tell that the weight gain, like no matter what you do, you cannot lose weight or you're gaining weight. This is so good that you lay it out so simply that anybody who doesn't know those big words, ghrelin and leptin, we hear all about it and cortisol levels and everybody talks about it. But they talk about it more from a stress point of view. And yes, sleep is part of it. And But I think it's really good to hear because I've been two years ago, I was in that situation that you described where I kept gaining weight despite I was training for an, another triathlon and I was eating really well. And I was really at my wit's end after 30 years in the fitness and nutrition business and industry. I was like, I can't help myself. What is going on? And that's when I started intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting ties in with what you also had said with a lighter meal at night, shifting when you eat, sleeping better, you know, watching the alcohol intake and, and these things. And it has made my sleep better just making those changes. And I bet that was part of what helped me lose the body fat and come back to a normal weight as opposed to the other way around. And I hear it from so many women and what they all look for is the easy solution that give me the exercise hike that works. You do Pilates, Pilates is supposed to make you lean and fit. Uh, oh, Heike, you're doing this. Uh, give me the magic formula of this. But again, we're going to what you're talking about. There is no magic formula, but rather going back into seeing what's happening. And as we're talking about sleep today, what would you tell these women that are throwing up their hands in the air going, nothing works. And you say, let's talk about sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you tell them? So the, the very first thing is that uh, first we have the power to change our sleep. And this is something that we don't always keep in mind because when we don't exercise, we kind of, we feel like, okay, it's my fault, you know, like I should. And when we don't eat well, same thing, we take responsibility for it. But when we don't sleep well, we have a tendency to feel like we are the victim of poor sleep. 
It's like, it's not something we're doing. It's, it's happening to us as opposed to like, when you go to the gym, it's not happening to you, right? It's you not going to gym or, and when you eat um, fast food, same thing, you, you completely take responsibility for it, but sleep, why not? So my first thing is we really, we have the power to sleep well, but as you were mentioning, it, it, it takes awareness. So first we need to know what's going on. When do we normally need to sleep? When do we go to sleep? You know, so, so yeah, tracking the sleep to try and listen to our true needs. When am I tired at night? A lot of people, they're tired around nine, but they don't go to bed. And I was doing that. Um, and then after that, it's too late. So they have to kind of wait for the next sleep train to pass by and that's going to be maybe at 1 a.m or midnight and they've just you know lost three or four hours of sleep so it's really listening to our body and really trying to find out what is happening like if we are on if we're not falling asleep easily and sleeping well and if we are on a phone or another device at night this is not going to work this, you know, everything that keeps our brain waves from really slowing down keeps us from entering deep sleep. Screens, you know, light, this is um, digestion. This is all keeping us from slowing down. So I know like the, the screens, it's, I think it's the number one. Sleep and um, screen and alcohol, I would say, are the two main obstacles um, for people to be able to sleep well. You know, we just scroll at, at night. We're like, oh, let me check what, what happened. And sometimes uh, people wake up in the middle of the night and they check, you know, oh, what happened, you know? <laughs> and this, we have cells in our eyes that don't make us see anything. They're not used for seeing. They're only used for light to tell our brain, hey, there is light out there, it's not time to sleep. Uh -huh. So when you give light to those cells, you're telling your brain, do not sleep. Mm -hmm. And with the life that we live now, where we, have, we are very often indoor with lots of screens, right? There is no change between day and night because we are exposed to the exact same amount of light. So our brain doesn't know, like, Am I supposed to sleep now or not? So this is really something to, to keep in mind that we need to stop um, being exposed to all those lights uh, and, and maybe, you know, turning off everything two hours before bedtime. The phone doesn't need to be in, in the bedroom. Um, you know, we use it for alarm, but you know, the alarm can be outside the, <laughs> the, the room or we can also have an old fashioned alarm not so long ago, you know, like, I don't know, 10, 20 oh, years yeah, ago, right? nobody had a phone and we still went to work, right? <laughs> <laughs> so screens, yeah, are, are really, really a big issue. Yeah, because I can see that. I mean, I'm here sitting here as, as we're doing the interview with two screens and a phone. And I'm like, oh, and the light extra here. And, and uh, but I think these are things that people hear over and over, but they're not taking them seriously enough. They're like, well, like you said, it's, it's 
it's an excuse or it's, it's, it has to be something else. It can't just be that I'm not sleeping well, you know? Yes. You know, and then, okay, I'm going to ask this question. You may not have an answer to that is when you're thinking of uh, drinking alcohol at night, I was told if you're drinking uh, organic wines that have less sulfur in them, it will not affect your sleep. Do you have anything to say to that? Or do you know anything about that? I I don't know. I mean, it might not affect, I'm, my first thinking is like, you won't, maybe you won't get the headache and all that, but it's still dehydrating. So it still adds up if you're already, you know, if there's, you're already likely to wake up for some other reasons, then it just adds up. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think the way to look at sleep is that there's so many reasons to wake up and to not sleep well. We need to try and eliminate as many of them as possible so that we can end up, you know, sleeping through the night and, and waking up refreshed the next day because it's all those little things that can make a really big difference. And this is, I have, um, I put together a list of 100 sleep killers and people can grab it on my website. It's, it's a free resource, but there are some things in there that, that are just so, we would not think twice about them, but they just add up, you know? Um, it, it can be the little, you know, the plugs that have the little light, green light, you know, just that when you wake up, this is sending a message to your brain that, oh, it's light, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that might be enough sometimes to not wake you up, but keep you awake or, you know, all those little things that really add up. Mm-hmm. Um, do people normally come and see you for getting better sleep or what do people normally see you for, Stella? Yeah, so they very rarely they come to me for sleep because sleep is not that important yet in our society. It's completely undervalued, right? So um, they usually come to me because they've been diagnosed with prediabetes or they have diabetes too running in their family and they're afraid, you know, that they're going to um, maybe go that path also because they reach their 40, 50 50s and and that's when they're like okay I need to do something about it so their doctors told them well you need to lose weight and you need to monitor your blood sugar and okay how do I do that so that's when they come and see me and sleep is usually kind of not even in their mind but then of course it's part of my evaluation my intro you know um, assessment and very often we end up working on sleep but the thing is we focus mostly on again on food and daily activities that will have an impact on sleep Mm -hmm. so it's not like we target just the sleep itself you know I feel like if you really want to change your sleep you have to change your days Uh, be more physically active be more like in the outdoor to get some real light um, change your food, all those things. So yeah, no, usually people don't come to me for sleep initially, but very often we end up touching on it. Yeah, it's, it's something in my practice either, and nobody talks about sleep. It's, it's more about how do I get lean? How do I get fit? How do I lose body fat? 
all these things. And, and when you dig deeper, just like you do with your clients is you, you find those nuggets where really the hidden information lies of what affects the client. Mm -hmm. And, and once you find those, you can help somebody way better. And most people don't want to hear about sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but I, I work mostly with women and mostly, you know, in that range between, I would say, 45 and 75. So we all go through those, I mean, same changes that are very, that impact our sleep a lot, but that we don't want to take care of just also because we haven't been used to taking care of ourselves. And I think I, I work with a lot of moms and it's not that they don't want to do anything, but they're like, well, yeah, but you know, I am not a priority. And this is the very first thing we have to work on. It's like, well, actually, yes, you are top priority. You need to bring yourself back into your own life, right? And take care of yourself. And it's something like a lot of uh, women have been just dismissing their needs for so long that they don't even think about, oh, yeah, maybe I should rest more. And they need kind of that permission. And also they need to realize how it's going to help them uh, get leaner, uh, you know, and get fitter and get stronger. Yeah. And also more alert, because when you think about going through menopause, you have that menopog. And I'm sure that is not just hard because your hormone levels are changing. But if you, as we're talking today, you don't eat well, you don't get enough sleep, you don't get enough rest. You, you stressed out with God knows what, whatever the kids or whatever life is happening. I mean, now you have all that brain fog as well. And lack of sleep contributes to that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, one really, one reason why we don't take care of our sleep um, enough is that we have a great workaround we drink coffee. Oh. And if we didn't have coffee, many, many of us would take care of their sleep way earlier in their lives. But we have coffee, like you're tired, you take coffee, you have caffeine, right? And you feel like you're functioning normally and you settle for kind of a subpar level of energy, right? But but coffee is just, you know, keeping us from noticing that we're tired. It's not making us less tired. It just mm -hmm. keeps our brain from realizing how tired we are. And but but coffee, yeah, if you remove coffee <laughs> from our society, then people will have to to sleep more and better. But we have coffee and that that is like, oh, it's OK. You know, let me just have my coffee. Yeah, that's and I was the same totally the same yeah and then the coffee triggers other uh negative habits because then you're tired you drink your coffee so you're caffeinated then you want something sweet because you're like okay this would go great with my coffee oh now i'm hungry and it's this it sets up this whole chain reaction and i gave up coffee about uh, two and a half years ago i have a microscopic colitis and uh, my stomach just didn't like coffee anymore and aside from that it caused a lot of diarrhea so i stopped coffee and people were like oh my god how can you stop did you have raging headaches did you have side effects and i said not really because i only drank maybe two cups a day which is still a big big cup mm -hmm. like this is is a big cup 
Um, and if you drink two, that's a lot of caffeine. But I switched to mostly herbal teas and some green tea teas, which are also caffeine, but way lesser form and better for my gut as well. Yeah. So, but you're absolutely right. It's the afternoon coffee. It's the morning coffee, the, the 10 o'clock coffee, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and caffeine stays in our system for up to 18 hours. So that can totally, even the morning coffee can affect our ability to fall asleep at night. And we don't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, but it just helps us, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I can make it. And then we keep dismissing sleep and not giving it the importance that it should have. Now, personal question. I like to take naps, as you know by now. What's your positioning on napping? Because some people go, oh, I can't nap at all. Or if I nap, I need a minimum of two hours. I can't do just 20 or 30 minutes. Is it good to take naps? How, if yes or no, how long should a nap be ideally to still get good night's sleep, good mm-hmm. night's sleep? So that's, again, something that's extremely personal, very individual, right? So is it good to take naps? First, if you love naps, yeah, go for it. Everything that makes us happy (laughs) and is not unhealthy, I'm like, yeah, go for it, right? (laughs) Um, Second, you know, what I would say is, uh, and, and this is not from me. This is um, Sean Stevenson. He, he has a you know health podcast. And he said once, you should look at naps the way you look at supplements. And it's like, you don't want to rely on naps, on naps to get your sleep, right? It shouldn't be your main source of uh, sleep and rest. Just like you do not want to rely on supplements to get your food right? But if your normal sleep and your normal food is not giving you enough, then yeah, you can supplement with supplements or with a nap. So naps can really help you bridge the gap if you cannot sleep enough at night. Plus again, yeah, if they're enjoyable, it's just, you know, just like we have a glass of wine for pleasure, yeah, we can have a nap for pleasure as well. Now, if <laughs> well said by a French woman. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's like that's what we are about. What we want to we want to be happy because you don't want to be healthy if it makes you miserable, right? It's 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 a combination of happiness and health. Um, and if you want to take a nap, or if you need a nap, those two are perfect reason to just take a nap, whether it's for pleasure or because you need it. Now, I think what's important is to see, is this nap affecting your ability to fall asleep and to sleep through the night? So um, if you take a nap at 4 p.m., chances are it's not going to help you sleep. If you take a nap around noon, one, you know, 30 minutes, chances are it's not going to keep you from sleeping at night. But you have to monitor that take the time to see oh when i nap i don't sleep well or when i nap i actually sleep better uh because you know we've experienced that you're so tired that you cannot fall asleep yep sometimes a nap can actually help you you know just like a snack a snack can help you make it until the next the next meal and maybe a nap can help you make it until it's time to go to bed. So it's really a nap snack. I like that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so it's very individual. And again, we need to listen to our body. Personally, it's very hard for me to nap because I'm such a bad sleeper. Like I need all the perfect conditions, you know. Uh, and if somebody is awake, there's no way I'll be able to nap next to them. Um, but when I do nap, it's usually a two and a half hour nap. Wow. Okay. When I go, I go. And it doesn't keep me from sleeping at night. Go figure. So, you know, it's very individual. But keep in mind that what's, what makes us feel good is often something healthy for us to do, right? Like it, it, it's, it's just, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to make you feel better. And, and if you enjoy it, oh my gosh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Stella, what are your final words to our listeners when it comes to sleep? Any more advice or tips or strategies or anything that comes to mind to share with them? So I would say sometimes understanding how things work helps you be more motivated. And that's why when you when somebody tells you, you know, no screen uh, in your bed, you're like, yeah, whatever. But once you know exactly what the screen does to your brain, and why it keeps you from sleeping, then you might be more inclined to actually get rid of the screen. So I would suggest that, you know, you, you, you try to understand how things work. You know, just like when you want to fix your car, you don't just try anything, any tip without knowing, oh yeah, I'm going to change a tire and we'll see if that works. You just understand or you take it to someone who's going to tell you, okay, this is what's not working. This is why we need to change that part or make that change. And do the same with your sleep. Try to understand what is happening. How come I wake up every night at the same time? What do I eat at night? You know, like trying to really take the time to understand what's going on. And honestly, uh, my book is a great <laughs> resource for that <laughs> uh, because it's a mix of information and a lot of real life examples. It sure is. I didn't get to the whole book. I picked through certain uh, chapters. I'm like, oh, I really want to know about this. And oh, I want to know about this. But your book got really great reviews. So tell our listeners where they can reach you, number one, where they can get your book and where they can get your checklist of the 100 sleep killers. Yeah, sure. So the, um, they can go to my website. So it's www. A-L-L-O-N-Z coaching.com. We have that in the show notes, guys, because nobody has a pen out right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's when, you know, the website is, is a great um, place to start. That's also where you can, uh, if you go to the website, there is a tab uh, that tells you read my book. And that's where you can find the, the sleep killer list. If you scroll down, you'll see it. Um, the book, you can find it on Amazon. It's Sleep It Off. You can find it on Amazon um, all over the world. Or you can also order it from my website. And then you can get a signed copy if that's something that would make you happy. And um, yeah, did I answer all the questions? And social media. Give us your social media handles. Where yeah. are you? I know where you are, but our listeners are not. Yeah, I'm terrible with that. So I'm a, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, but I don't know my handles. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> probably uh, it's something uh, along those along zone coaching. 
So if you go, yeah, Alonzi, you will probably find me. I think on Instagram, it's just my name, Stella Loisho. Um, and maybe we can put these links in the show notes uh, because since, yeah. since I know where you are, we'll put those links in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm terrible with that. And I'm pretty active actually on Facebook and Instagram, but I, I yeah, not very good with the links. And, <laughs> and I'm on LinkedIn. You can always connect on LinkedIn um, there. Um, yeah. also. I know it's, <laughs> it's also, you have a difficult last name. And when you say, here's my, my social handle, and you're like, okay, Lua Show. People don't know, unless they know French, how to actually write this. And uh, so it was very helpful when you helped me out at the beginning of the interview to pronounce your last name. So thank you for that. But guys, the links will be in the show notes for you to get your hands on The Sleep Killer and find out more about Stella, get connected with her on social media. But as always, we want to know how you enjoyed today's episode. How was it helpful? Did you have any more questions? We'd love for you to reach out to us and you know Stella's crazy handles and you can reach me at Heike Yates on Facebook, uh, on Instagram and on Facebook at Heike Yates, pursue your spark and let us know how this episode helped you, any questions and please share it with your friends because you know that your friends just sleep as crappy as you do or have problems with weight loss or other overall well-beings. So reach out to us. And Stella, thank you so much for an amazing interview, for all the knowledge you had. Thank you so much, Heike. I mean, great questions. And it was very nice to be here. I was very honored. Thank you. 